From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. James, um, happy to be back with you today, and how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. It's always uh, great to be back talking about programming with you, Steve. Sounds good. I uh, we're, we've been doing this for quite some time, and we don't run out of things to talk about. So I guess it's something that uh, we like doing, and hope uh, that others like listening. So we're uh, we'll, we'll keep doing it until you tell us not to. Um, today we're going to talk about some things that I hope that uh, I know that we can relate to, and I hope that others can as well too. Um, a lot of times we try to be too reliant on on uh, our controls and software and and automation and and all all of the 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 ways that we can make a system work in theory but in practice there's always going to be something that we didn't consider and there's always going to be something that needs to be a fallback plan and um for me that means that we we need to oh you know ha have some way of being able to recover if something doesn't go wrong or or you know even as simple as a product failure you can't let that take down a whole system um we'll we'll get more into what we're talking about but james um one of the things that we often hear about is um the, creating the experience of walking into a system, not having to touch stuff and things happen for you. And, and I think whenever programmers hear that, they, they, they snicker a little bit because the rule of thumb is what's easy for a user is hard for a programmer. So what, what are, what are some of your thoughts about um, this type of uh, scenario and, and um, some of the things that are, are kind of go unspoken? Um, so I have two thoughts behind this and they're from different views. And the first view is actually from a end user view, I would say. And it's the whole notion, like, you know, you talk about the automated system, like, for example, if I walk in the room and plug my laptop in, let's have it switch and display it. But what if I'm not ready for my laptop to display yet? What if I'm just plugging in and pre preparing for a meeting, but you know, I'm still got to close the application. I don't want them on the screen yet. I don't want the system automatically changing to it. As a programmer, I want to make it as easy for my users to do whatever they need to do. So I don't want to make steps for them i don't want i want to try to predict what they're trying to do so i i'm a little torn um and that's where i think as a programmer i'm always thinking i i, I fight myself because i put my hey i'm an end user this is what i want and then i put my programming hat on and be like this is what it should do and then so i'm fighting myself a lot of times but yeah i it's it's a tough one i think I, I, and one of the things that not everybody realizes too is that there, there's two sides to doing programming. There's the, I have to get the system working side. So I need to be able to, to have controls and, and ways to test and debug and um, validate installation and wiring and setup. And then there's the operational side. And then there's, I guess, the third part, which is... How do you prevent a user from 
creating a situation where they're in an unknown state. So I always look at having backup controls and you need to always be able to operate things manually when all else fails. And that, and, and that needs to, to me that there needs to be a fallback plan because automation is great when it's rock solid, but if it's not rock solid, it could be very detrimental and create a negative instead of a positive experience. Yeah, we can't rely solely on automation for everything because, like you said, what if it is in the wrong state? What if it didn't detect something and now what? Like, say I did want the system to auto-switch when I plugged my laptop in. You know, system didn't see my laptop. Now what? What do I do as a user? Can I? Do I have the option to force a switch then? Um, so yeah, we definitely need the manual controls because like you said, us technicians, us programmers, we need to verify what our operation, our software, our wiring, our equipment is doing what it's supposed to do. But we also have to give the users those function as well in case, hey, something does break. We don't want to think our code's going to be a problem, that our code's going to run forever with no issues, but we all know better. Kind of tagging on to that is there are situations where a system may be used in an unconventional manner and and you don't want to be able to tell somebody that they can't because <laughs> they, they're looking at the, the system and saying, I, I don't really want it to operate this way. I want it to operate differently, but without some way of being able to can do do controls behind the scenes or or be able to to disable automation it's likely not going to happen from a control point um i've always thought and and i i was taught this when i first started is if you can't operate the system by pressing the buttons and doing things without a control system then you really don't have a good grasp on your system and more and more products have less buttons and less ways of being able to do that operation because we have usually a bunch of black boxes or something in the cloud. But I think some something needs to be considered there to to make sure that we don't have a a a, a real hard time trying to work through those cases that are unpredictable. Yeah, and. I'll admit, I want to take a step back is I don't mind telling you no on certain things. Um, yes. Do we want to be able to, to achieve anything our users want to do that's valid for the space or is a good use of our equipment? Um, and also that doesn't affect someone else coming behind them, especially in my world. The higher ed is, I don't know who's coming in right after you. And if I have to take time and put the system back into a, some kind of state because you want this outrageous, crazy thing, then I might have to say no. Um, I mean, I don't know how many times I was in a, a room and the person's like, oh, I just want, I'm just going to climb up on that chair and plug my device into your projector. No, you're not. 
you're not plugging into my projector. And they're like, well, why not? Well, because now you're breaking the system for someone who's coming in behind you, and then I need to fix it. So now you're causing more work for me uh, to disrupt someone else just because you don't want to go through the proper procedures. So, yes, I want to say no to some people, but also, as I also tell people, I'm not the department of no. I'm in the department of let's see if we can make it work. Let's find a solution for your need that is valuable for the system. Yeah, that I mean, I think we should all try to take that approach to things. Um, the 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 situation that I'm also thinking about is that when we're do creating automation and and we're telling we're we're, we're making a system work a certain way. We're telling the user we know how it, you want it to work, and we are doing the thinking for you, which to me that that that's risky because <clears throat> not everybody thinks the same way, not everybody has the same uh, comfort level with technology and um if if you think somebody is scared about touching a, a panel and and afraid of using a system in that regard, think of how scared they're going to be if they walk in and things happen and they don't know why they're happening. So I've always thought of it that way as being, it really needs to be very defined and, and understood. And everybody needs that's using the system needs to, to agree that they are signing up for things to work a certain way. Um, but when we start thinking for the users, to me, I think that's a recipe for uh, a problem because we're not using artificial intelligence. We're using our intelligence that d- defines how we think the system should work. And we're, and, and, and it, we're really telling the user how we expect them to use it. I, I think you kind of hit on when I talked, was it our last episode or one before that, where I said, don't tell, guide the user, but follow the user and like you mentioned there if we telling them this is how you use the system then we're not actually listening to our users we're not following the way they want to use the system and granted we know there are going to be all over the place you can't make everyone happy but we got to try and aim for the 80 percent instead of the 20 percent um like i i still know we had one user years ago who he had a valid request for the system, but his request would affect everyone else who used the room. And he was a, he, he had years of lesson plans developed all in the old format of four by three. So when our systems went to 16 by nine, the four by three didn't look good. So he wanted to change, uh, have us change the system of four by three. But then he didn't understand that it affect everyone else whose all their content is 16 by nine now. So it's like, no, I can't make this change for you, even though it's a valid change, because now you affect everyone else. So you're that 10%. You, you can't always please that. 10%, but you can try to get that 80 to 90%. Yeah, I, I think that that's always the rule in what we're doing. Yeah. And especially in the commercial AV 
uh, landscape is we have to cater to the masses as, as I, I I've told people in the past. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I, and that's one thing I know we haven't really hit on with this uh, podcast, but that's where we kind of separate the whole resi market and corp, uh, corporate or uh, higher ed market is resi. You do, you tailor to the user and, but our corporate and higher ed or, I don't want to use the pro the word pro because Resi is pro too. So I'm not using the word pro there, but it's, we have to be scalable. We have to hit that 80%, that 90% and not just focus on one person. So definitely a, it's a, I would say almost a handicap on us or a handcuff on us on making sure that we can't make that everyone happy. I am, um, you know, the the one thing that I would say in in that regard is is maybe having different presets, having different ways of using the system that gives options and say, okay, pick one of these rather than saying you're locked into only one. So maybe that'll give a little bit more flexibility. Um, and then you know, ha- having the ability to make some types of adjustments. So I always believe that automation needs to also be accompanied with um, being having fine tuning you know so it's it you know you, it's good to have autofocus but you need to have a little manual focus too um, so yep. it you know the but but the the whole the whole idea to me of of having something only work for you in a certain way and be operational I I, I love the idea from a wow factor but I I'm, I um, really get very nervous about how, in the end, how, how much a client will be happy with it. So I, I think that that'd be a great thing to hear about from uh, those of you out there and your experiences with this and how much automation do you use and, and what, what are some of the things that you build in to um, make automation successful? Yeah, automation, like you said, that wow factor. Wow factors fade. I mean, they're only wow for the first couple of times. I and mean, even though you're doing the same thing over and over, that well, it's no longer wow. But it's so now do now you're past that wow, you're past that initial change. Is it functional? Is it working? Is it doing? Is it stable? Is it scalable? And uh, I think. That's a, probably a good place for wrap to wrap this, but I would love to be able to 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 hear more, and and I think we'll be talking more about this. And and the one that that you uh, you know that you, you threw out a lot of really important adjectives there, and <laughs> uh, and 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 seriously, it's not that these are what's going to make what we do uh, effective in the future, and and for people to appreciate what uh, who programmers are, because we should be bringing those things to the table. Um, you know, confidence and the experience and knowing that the we we can guide a client or a user in a way that they're going to get a, a successful outcome. Um, James, how can people get in touch with you, uh, learn more about what you're doing, and also continue this conversation? Oh, I would love to hear from our listeners. Uh, I'm on Twitter, AB underscore James King. I do write for the Higher Ed Digital Magazine, IT and AB column. Uh, anything with HEPMA, again, if you Google me, 
you'll find me. And like I said, I'd love to hear from our listeners. Absolutely. And one of the things that we, we've been doing a number of solo episodes, uh, so we're ready for some guests. So please reach out to us if you're interested in being on the show. And uh, we'd love to be able to answer some questions from the audience. So that, that's kind of what this is all about. And in addition to building community amongst programmers, uh, for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media. Uh, you can read some of my writing on EV Network and Commercial Integrator, as well as my company uh, website at controlconcepts.net. I also do another podcast on AV Nation called The State of Control. You can check that out too. That has similar content and a little bit of a different format with my partner, uh, Rich Fragoza. We're about to uh, release episode 100, which we're real excited about there. So um, with that said, um, please like, share, and uh, provide some feedback on your favorite episode. And you can listen and watch us on YouTube as well as your favorite podcast players. And that's all of what we have for today. This has been Ask the Programmer.